Rebag is a luxury resale marketplace. They have a curated collection of investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry. Each piece is carefully vetted and verified by experts. You can buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Hermes, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. That's Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. Betches Media presents. If you feel depressed and if you feel anxious and you feel confused, you know what? Welcome to the club. Gazpacho police. Oh my God. What a stupid son of a bitch. He believes that it's a woman's right, it's a woman's body, and it's her choice. The Betches Sup Podcast. Sayonara, sucker. Hello, I'm Sammy Sage. I'm Elise Morales. And this is the Betches Up Podcast, where C-SPAN meets the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics. There is just truly a wild amount of unhinged news stories about the GOP today, and we do not have our fearless reader and leader, Amanda. <laughs> Amanda to, isn't here to parse it for us. <laughs> what are we going to do? We're going to have to we're going to have to figure it out ourselves and um, mm-hmm. everyone will know whether uh, we're frauds or not. Yeah. What's interesting is all of this news came out like on Friday, like Friday afternoon. I feel like all of this went down. And so today's newsletter was me being like, wild weekend, everybody. (laughs) That was exactly what the morning announcements was like. Oh, my gosh. We're basically doing like the same thing just for different formats every day in different formats and different times. Um, But just speaking of that. We should we should let everyone know where they can sign up for the Betches Up newsletter so they can get their news at noon after yes. they listen to the morning announcements when they woke up. It's betches.co slash sup. It's possible sub Beautiful. sign up works too. So you you all know the address. Again, what are we doing with here without Amanda? What are you doing here without Amanda? I know. Apparently Amanda has a life and a family that she has to attend to. So we will We'll talk about Madison Cawthorn's lingerie yeah. party. <laughs> Alone without her. All right, Elise, we got to recap this wild weekend. It all started when, on Friday, photos emerged of Madison Cawthorn at what appears to be a party where he is wearing women's lingerie. Cawthorn tweeted a response to the photos saying that they were, quote, goofy vacation photos during a game on a cruise taken way before I ran for Congress, end quote. Then he called for people to tweet their most embarrassing vacation photos in their replies. So, I mean, two things to talk about there. Yeah. I I mean, here, the, the overarching thing all, with all of this stuff is, like, the photos honestly are fine. It's just that they're coming from him. Right. And especially after, like, the kind of things he has said in public. So, he's the same guy who talked about sexual perversion in D.C., and he accused his own colleagues in the Republican Party of inviting him to orgies and to do cocaine. And then last week, he made Mm -hmm. a speech on the House floor where he said that the left is, quote, forcing children to endure radical expressions of sexuality. And yet you can't even define what a woman is. You might amend a bill, but you'll never amend biology. And uh, just to add to the hypocrisy, during his first term, he provided his own unsolicited opinion of what a woman is, saying that a woman is someone with Two X chromosomes, no tally whacker, which mm-hmm. never heard that slang for a dick before. Yeah, that's an old that feel that feels like a little bit of an old one, but he does say he's a traditional Seth. man. He right, and it he, is. he's a traditional okay. Judeo Christian man. The thing. <laughs> but, but okay, but here's the thing. I don't care if a man dresses as a woman. However, when the man 
puts all this shit out there about how like you have to be like aligned with the gender binary and that's clearly his ideal and he's you know I'm pretty sure according to these like religious tenets and the culture that he follows dressing like a woman is not is not okay it's a no-no and you can see that reflected in everything he talks about so the fact that this is now out there of him it just feels incredibly hypocritical no I mean, that's the whole thing. And like, again, how successful is pointing out Republican hypocrisy ever? Not a ton, but just especially when it comes at this point where they are literally trying to make it illegal for children, teachers, etc. to have their own fluid gender expression of any kind. For him to actually be like, but I'm allowed to play with my gender if I want and I'm at a party and I'm on a cruise and I can do whatever I want as long as it's fun for me. But a kid would not be allowed to do the same thing. And God forbid a teacher does the same thing or any of that. If a kid showed up to school in Florida dressed like that, there would be like or in Texas, potentially, there would be an investigation into the parents. That's the law they are, I think, either recently passed or trying to get passed in Texas. Yeah, I just think it's so funny because when I look at the photos, right, like Madison Cawthorn's, I think, the youngest or one of the youngest people in Congress. I look at the photos and I'm like, yeah, whatever. It seems like a fun night in your 20s. I The pictures like that pop up in my IG feed all the time, but they're not by people who are actually trying to make it illegal for anyone else to have a different gender expression. Right. When I first saw them, I was like, oh, is that Tom Schwartz in that episode of Vanderpump? <laughs> you know that meme of Tom Schwartz? Like, mm-hmm. that's like, that was like my first, my first association. It's like, what do you think about the fact that these photos like came out now? Sort of shortly after he accused his colleagues of inviting him to like orgies with cocaine. Also, I'm not surprised at all that they have, they have orgies with cocaine. No, I mean, Madison Cawthorn, again, he's like a 25, 26-year-old bro. Like, he probably has a lot of photos of himself partying in various levels of dress. Um, I don't think it's just Congress who's invited him to do a little key bump every once in a while. Like, this stuff is actually clearly on his mind and a part of his life. And that's why he is talking about it so much. Yeah, I mean, you don't really hear much about the legislating he's doing, but we did get a second story about Madison Cawthorn. There is now newly released dash cam footage of Madison Cawthorn caught driving with a revoked license for a second time. So this footage just came out, but it happened on March 3rd. So he has a court date coming up on May 6th where he can get fines like $200 or up to 20 days in jail. We'll see if that happens. But regardless of what ultimately is his punishment, this is his second time driving without a valid license. His other court date is in June. And he also has two speeding violations from October and January. All things considered, he is paralyzed because of a car accident where his friend was driving. So you might think you'd be like a slightly more defensive driver. Yeah, it seems really... For some reason, the fast driving seems really tied up in his intense masculinity masculinity shit to me. Because I I remember like way back when a couple people, a couple women came forward to say he had been like kind of sexually aggressive and strange towards them. 
a lot mm-hmm. of those accusations took place in his car where basically he would like go for you'd go for a ride with him in his car and then he'd start driving really fast and like asking you really like probing weird sexual questions that was like a lot of what the complaints were so there's a lot of like car dick man masculinity stuff going on with madison thank you for actually reminding me of that because you're right like they're kind of every story about him has like a car involved (laughs) if i were madison cawthorn's therapist i'd be like so what happened in a car when you were really young or like what's going on what fallout from the accident has made car and but wasn't it before the accident that there was like a fixation on the cars i think that this was when we will have to, we'd have to read the article. I think that maybe he already yeah. had had the accident because it was like in college that they were saying this happened. And he was like, so something's going on with him in cars. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Madison Carthorn is yes. what we'll call him from now on. Exactly. <laughs> hey, American Fever Dream listeners. I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you are searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone on any occasion. Now it's easier to find gifts made by independent sellers for all of the people in your life, like the pickleballers, I know plenty of those, the jazz fan, the artist, the pasta lover, whatever niche interest they have, you can find an incredible gift on Etsy. From 90s nostalgia and mixology to reality TV and gaming, there is something for everyone. There is so much pressure around gifting. I usually have a hard time thinking of gift ideas specifically for my dad, but my dad loves flying, he loves airplanes, he loves aviation, and he never gets sick of a cute little gift that has a reference to that. And the inventory for that on Etsy is incredible. I hope my dad lives for 200 years because I can get him a birthday present related to aviation or planes from Etsy for every single one of them, if not hundreds and hundreds of years more. There really is that much. A gifting moment is always around the corner, but whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you, Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. Okay, so now we are moving on to the uh, his female equivalent. Yeah, the, his buddies. Mar- buddies, buddies, besties. Marjorie Taylor Greene testified under oath on Friday. I don't feel like a lot of people knew that this was happening or necessarily like why this was suddenly coming up, but we will tell you why. Mm -hmm. She testified on Friday. And the reason is because a challenge is being brought against her in court by Georgia voters who want to kick her off the ballot uh, for re-election to the House of Representatives. Due to her role in January 6th, they are in the lawsuit. They're citing a section of the 14th Amendment that known as the disqualification clause, which says that no person involved in an insurrection can run for office. Reasonable. Great clause. Great clause. I (laughs) mean, originally. (laughs) Excellent clause. Originally, though, that provision was meant to stop former Confederates from running for office after the Civil War, which... Love the love the sentiment, but I just want to be clear. The Alabama State House is still closed today for like Confederate Memorial Day. So the you know, maybe it didn't work that well. <laughs> it's a great clause in, in in execution. We have not we have not really done what we need to do with Lots the clause. Of <laughs> common theme in America, frankly. Mm-hmm. 
common mm-hmm. theme. Okay, so she testified, and there were like uh, compilations of the fact that she was mostly being like, I don't know, I don't recall. Um, she did say that she does not support violence of any kind. But this is despite the fact that in the past she has been quoted as saying that you cannot allow a peaceful transfer of power like Joe Biden wants and allow him to become president because he did not win the election. It is being stolen. So, like, you're really walking between the raindrops here, Marge, on what you did and didn't say. Yeah, she also um, they they questioned her. And again, she was like, I don't recall. I don't run my Facebook pages. blah. But she liked a comment on Facebook that said Nancy Pelosi should be shot in the head. Right. I remember that. She says she she doesn't know. She doesn't recall doing that. So many people run her pages. Um, I believe that she doesn't recall like liking something on Twitter. Sure. I I believe that because do you remember everything you liked? I I definitely don't. Certainly. But I definitely remember her choices to support the insurrection. (laughs) Like whatever you want to call it in spirit, in in language. She was a supporter. So I don't understand. I mean, did she go to the rally? No, that's because she was busy on the floor of Congress trying to overturn the election there. Uh, I think that it it's unfortunate because they need to decide this in the next few weeks because I believe the primary starts in early May and mm-hmm. the um, early voting for the primary starts in early May and then the primary is in the middle of May. Mm-hmm. And... I don't think that there's necessarily like conclusive, fully, fully established evidence of her her involvement in January 6th. Like the, the House committee is still working on writing their report. They're not doing testimony until June. So it's it's tough when she says she doesn't remember unless there are other witnesses to be like, actually, she did this. Yeah, I mean, it, it feels like to me it's going to be one of those things that I feel like we often see in like like cases or whatever about racism where it's like the bar that you have to meet is like so explicit like you must be you know in a case of racism or it's like it's like you have to be on tape using the n-word towards to a crowd like for someone to be like oh okay you're racist and so even though the evidence is overwhelming that she was involved in January 6th, that she wanted January 6th to happen, that she, like, danced around the violence of January 6th, saying there can't be a tre- peaceful transition of power. That's really bad. There's another quote that they pulled of her saying that Nancy Pelosi is guilty of treason and that the punishment for that is execution. So it's like, yeah, she doesn't exactly say I'm going to kill this or I think you should kill this person. But she'll say, I believe this person committed a crime for which they could be killed. And she'll say it to a million followers, some of whom are unhinged and have guns. Right. Like the message is received regardless of the explicitness of the words. Yeah. She's um, yeah. I mean, it's it's tough with her because I mean, she was pretty smart about like what she was doing. Also, this case is really the judge is only making a recommendation to Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, who um, famously wanted to was wanted to find 11,780 votes, which is one more than we have. (laughs) Um, And he is now the one making a decision to pull Marjorie Taylor Greene from the ballot or not. However, he himself is up for re-election and he has a primary challenger. So 
I'm sure that in some way weighs into his decision over whether he'll pull her from the from the ballot. And that primary is on May 24th. So the judge is saying he will aim to make a recommendation by next Friday. Um, but it will likely be appealed after that anyway. So I feel like I can't hold out hope that we get rid of her this way. Like yeah. I just You know what's more annoying about that is that she is now gonna use whatever happens here to be like, I was exonerated. Like the classic the classic you know, Trump a judge Mueller found report. me a judge found me innocent. You know, and it's like not that's not really what happens, but I mean she got she's getting off because they have evidence of let's say her meeting with Trump in a certain period, but and they have maybe evidence, maybe not a recording, that certain things were discussed, like martial law. And they ask, like, did you talk to the president about instituting martial law? And she's like, I don't remember. It's like, OK, well, who else was there that's going to yeah, like get someone else to, to say something? It's so funny to say you don't remember a conversation with the president. Like, well, I feel I like she recall. had a lot of them. I know, I but like even still, it's like he's your number one guy. You're obsessed with him. You love him so much. You like, right. You, don't she, remember? Like, you probably go home. You probably go home replaying that interaction in your head all night. Exactly. Of, like, the better things you could have said, more witty comments you could have made to wow the orange monster. Exactly. It pro- she probably replays the conversation all the time because she didn't go hard enough. And she's like, damn, I really should have told him about my real plan. <laughs> like. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Right. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Okay, I mean, while we were talking January 6th, these stories are just flowing into each other mm-hmm. like a fucking river. Okay, so the New York Times, we have more more audio. This In this case, we so have So much audio. audio. So much audio. In this case, the New York Times obtained audio from a phone call on January 11th, 2021 between House Minority Leader at the time well, now he's the minority leader. Or actually, no, he's still the minority leader. He's been the minority leader yeah. the whole time. What am I talking about? <laughs> Kevin McCarthy and other Republican lawmakers about the Trump's role in the January 6th insurrection. So on that call, which was recorded, and you can listen to it, McCarthy said, quote, let me be very clear to you, and I have been very clear to the president. So he's relaying this conversation he had with Trump to the lawmakers. Quote, Trump he bears responsibility for his words and his actions. No ifs, ands, or buts. I asked him personally today, does he hold responsibility for what happened? Does he feel bad about what happened? He told me that he does have some responsibility for what happened, and he needs to acknowledge that, end quote. Mm-hmm. Pretty, pretty big. Yeah, I, and yeah. that he... The other thing to me that's so messed up is, like, he's mainly talking to Liz Cheney on these tapes, and they're like... They're both on the same page. He's like, I'm going to recommend that he resign, all of that stuff. And then what happens like a month later, he leads the charge to like censure Liz Cheney, like remove her from her leadership roles, all this stuff for just saying publicly what he was saying to her on the fucking phone in this phone call. You have to really wonder what 
what happened? Because there's a, a, there are occurrences, there are things that must have led to that change. Because yeah, he did go in, an, in another recording. He did say that he planned to ask him to resign. Do you think he ever even like got to that? Do you think he, he had no. the courage to say it? I kind of no. don't. I don't think he ever said it. No. <laughs> I yeah, think, I don't either. I think that there was, if we recall, there were like a couple days after January 6th where the Republicans were like, oh, this might not blow over. And then they realized it that did. they could put their media machine to work and like that they actually could just try to slip this under the rug just like everything else. And that's... That's the difference. Like we, this call is how Kevin McCarthy really felt about what happened. But once he saw that he could go the path of least resistance, which was just to go along with Trump, that's what he decided to do. Right. It's also I it's yes, they did make that switch. And I think it is it has taken everybody else a really long time to acknowledge that this is it. Like they are not coming back. Mm-mm. They uh, they they now will defend an attempted coup. Yeah, because even in these calls, he says at one point that he thought at the time these calls were made, he thought the impeachment resolution could pass in the Senate because he's like, it will pass the House. And then he's like, and it might pass the Senate. And I'm like, wow, what optimism? <laughs> because no, that's not what happened at all. Yeah, I think that that's why people like Caitlin, for example, and honestly, like mostly black activists said that you have to impeach him immediately, like that day. And Mm -hmm. the fact that they waited till the weekend after the inauguration just totally prevented accountability. And that is the argument for for moving on that right away. And that is what they should have done. And it really because that day. That's why the Republicans were like, we got to move this election certification through. Like, even Lindsey Graham was like, I'm out. So, like, yeah. just what happened between that day and January 23rd? I mean, there is they have such a powerful media machine behind them in such like I'm not going to say it's just Fox News like it's the entire conservative media ecosystem that like mm-hmm. once they're given enough chance to fire that machine up and they can do that and we again it's like you say if we don't do if you don't move on something immediately they have the time to fire up their Tucker Carlsons and their Laura Ingrams and their Breitbart people and get all their like misinformation out there and start the whole machine up and then we're back in the circus you know yeah just picture like what's really like frau farbissima being like fire the lasers (laughs) exactly (laughs) exactly that is what it is it's like if we if you give them an inch to do this shit they're gonna go they're gonna run with it Right. You do have to act incredibly quickly when you're dealing with people with fascistic tendencies. And um, mm-hmm. even Biden, I mean, it's it's a we're, we're a little far in a year and a half, let's say. But Biden addressed Kevin McCarthy's tapes on Friday and he said, quote, this is the MAGA party now. These guys are a different breed of cat. This is not what this is not like what I served with for so many years. End quote. Oh, oh optimistic, sweetie Biden. I know. I'm just like. We've been trying to tell you that, friend. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we've been new. <laughs> like, yeah. You didn't get the memo, sweetie. I know. 
it's good good of you to figure it out <laughs> that's i mean look it's like age it's just a different you know he's clearly like was entrenched and he needed a wake-up call Yes, it's I mean, it is just kind of this thing that I feel like has plagued the Biden presidency the whole time, which is he got elected thinking that he could like bring back this old timey Senate of of yore. And it's like, no, no, honey, like you have to look at who is in office right now. Like, look at these people. Right. Like he he needed like he he seemed he stated, I think, like the administration's goal was to proceed with, let's say, like cautious optimism. But they went way too much optimism and not enough cautious whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The caution was not there. Yeah, yeah. So it's just hopefully, I mean, maybe they'll do something. Like, what are you going to do about it now? So what are you going to do about it is my question. I don't know. I mean, the best thing that we can do about it is get these people out of fucking office immediately. But yeah. the best and the, the only way that's going to happen is at the ballot box. Like Marjorie Taylor Greene, I wish that she could get taken off the ballot like this. That's just not how it's going to go down. It's like someone has to run against her and win. Right. Not that that's also my my take as well. I don't think it's Yeah. I really think there's nearly zero chance that this is going to work. Hey there, overwhelmed foodies. Are you drowning in a sea of meal kit options, feeling like you're in a bad dating game where every contestant looks the same, with the same fish picture? Fear not, because amidst the chaos, there's one shining star worth your culinary affection. Home Chef is not just another fish in the meal kit sea. They're the gourmet catch that you've been dreaming of. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes, conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions, speedy recipes ready in less than 30 minutes, oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients, or quick microwave meals that assemble in minutes, Home Chef has you and the entire family covered for delicious meals without the hassle. Home Chef has over 30 options a week, and they serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it is economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. So for a limited time, Home Chef is offering our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash feverdream. That's homechef.com slash feverdream for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash feverdream. You must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute. And available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. Okay, we are finishing off today with a story about Elon Musk. I want to call out that I think this story, we are putting it right at the end, but I think this story is going to end up potentially being one of the most significant events to happen. I don't know. Right? Generally. It's a big deal. 
Twitter announced that it will accept Elon Musk's offer to buy their company for $43 billion in cash once the board meets to recommend the transaction to shareholders. However, this could still fall apart at the last minute, though shares went up 4.5% in pre-market trading this morning, which suggests that the market likes this idea, and you know that investors like what the market likes, even if they only like it a little bit. Um, he, Musk... Why I think this is such a significant event is because Musk expressly states that he wants to acquire the company to grow it into a, quote, genuine platform for free speech, which if you read between the lines, that could that's by his definition. So um, yeah. and look, it, and the truth is, I've been saying all along, Twitter is a private company and now or it's not private company, but it is like a, a it's a an owned a company. company. It's not yeah. a, the government, you know. So mm -hmm. he is now going to be the owner of the company. He has suggested he might take it private, um, which in which case there would be no chance to uh, buy it to uh, or sell it. There would no be no chance for anyone else to buy him out unless he agreed mm -hmm. to sell to them. So I think this is a pretty big deal. I'm not really a huge fan of the fact that Elon Musk is going to own Twitter. I'm actually, it gives me deep gut pain and yeah uh, i think it's pretty bad i think he's gonna bring trump back i think he'll put trump back on the platform yeah, you said it you said it asap yeah. because that that's like what all of this like free speech on the platform means is that you can't yeah. get kicked off for saying fucked up stuff and we've talked yeah. about it on the pod before but like as silly as it is trump being off twitter actually made this country safer especially I in know. the days after the insurrection and since then like he has been neutered a lot. He's still a huge threat and a big force in politics, but he's been neutered a lot by not having that platform anymore and by yeah. not being able to, like, wrest control of the media narrative because he's on Twitter and can just tweet crazy things. So to bring that back into the world is, like, that's scary to me. Well, I do want to, I agree completely. It makes me sick, but there is a part of me that is like, okay, so how do we get around this? It could become that whatever he does to this platform actually like devalues it in terms of the user and media reliance and experience on it. And there is a chance that whatever he does leads to it not having as much importance. Like, Trump couldn't get people on Truth Social because people want to hear from him, but not that badly. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah it's not enough to make another like sign up and right. get their email in there. But let's say like the town square, so to speak. Who knows what changes that TikTok will make to its algorithm to make it more, I don't know, conducive to being a town square. You know, who it's that that's my one spot of hope is that there's always as much as I can like predict like this horrible thing that I, the horrible direction I think something's going mm -hmm. you there's always like an x factor that could come in and throw everything off to a different course so this I think is one of those x factors Elon Musk buying Twitter is one of those mm -hmm. like weird wrench in the system moments and we just gotta see yeah it's really really interesting because Twitter is one of the least used social media platforms. Like, not a lot of people right. are on Twitter. Um, and the reason that it has the significance that it has is, one, because all the Trump stuff that he did, and two, because it's a lot of journalists that are on Twitter. Like, journalists and media personalities 
use Twitter to get their ideas out there, promote their stuff, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So if those personalities stop finding it useful because the website's full of trolls and misinformation or whatever, and they move somewhere else, then we could see a huge decline in Twitter and it just becomes a place where like weird trolls talk to each other and yell about like if bodegas are convenience stores or not (laughs) or whatever the fuck. (laughs) Right. Like if, you know, Substack, I think that's a really good example of a platform that could create a new feature. And then suddenly that's where credibility, you know, where credibility starts to, you know, maybe they have a different system of verification. Like who knows, who knows what it is? Maybe Instagram becomes more important. Like Twitter's only important because it pre-existed a lot of other things and therefore became important. And its specific usage became very valuable and, and now has an outsized influence compared to people's general use and awareness of it. But that could change if it doesn't yeah. stay sort of tr- like trustworthy in the sense that people know it's trustworthy. Like you like yeah. you know how to interpret Twitter for truth or credibility at this point. But if it goes to a place where that's not really possible anymore, I do think that like those influential media people will communicate elsewhere you know, that mainstream crowd. Yeah, and especially if an existing platform decides to add, like, a text-based element. Because I think the one thing, the thing that keeps Twitter it should be thriving... <laughs> Substack, CC Substack, Substack, what are you thinking? We need you, we need you. Do the, do the patriotic do thing. <laughs> and here's the thing, lot people like Barry Weiss and, like, all those types of people, they're on Substack. I'm not saying they yeah. shouldn't be there. It's like, it just has to be more, like, verifiable I'd say yeah because right now Twitter is the only one I mean Facebook still has statuses or whatever but like Twitter is really the one where you have like a text-based feed people can share articles that way people can share like threads of their thoughts in that way if someone else comes into the game Substack and starts (laughs) allowing people to do that and they're allowing people to do it in a more credible way that doesn't have some of the issues that Twitter has We've seen social media companies fall before, you know? Yeah. And and it has to do with what they do. Faith, Facebook has fallen. No one mm-hmm. uses... Facebook has become what I think Twitter could become under Elon Musk's supervision, let's call it. Yeah, like just old cuckoos. <laughs> yeah, and Facebook, the company, survives because it has other companies that... It, and, you know, they're expanding in technology. But, like, what is Twitter going to do if people don't, like value it the same way so without their tweets yeah very interesting a word to the wise elon musk be careful what you wish for because you just might get it i feel like that's a great place for us to end i think so too everyone (laughs) follow the betches sup instagram newsletter betches.co slash sup as we established Mm -hmm. earlier follow the morning announcements subscribe please leave us a Mm -hmm. five-star review and a rating elise this has been so fun until the end of democracy i'm sammy sage I'm Elise Morales. And this has been the Betcha Sub Podcast. Bye. The Betcha Sub Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman, Jorge Morales Pico, and Sean Kilby. Editing by Jorge Morales Pico. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send us your emails to suppod at betches.com. Betches.